If you are in the 81% of aspiring authors out there, stop aspiring and start writing with Readsy. Readsy allows indie authors to find and work with the best publishing professionals, from developmental editors to book cover designers to publicists. Just sign up for an author profile, browse the extensive marketplace of professionals, find the best fit for your project, and set a collaboration in motion. And with built-in contracts, protection, and mediation from Readsy, finding qualified freelancers, editors, designers, and marketers as a self-published author just got a lot easier. Go to readsy.com today to sign up and set your first collaboration in motion. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com. Honestly, it all stems from just creative fear. I still don't really understand how I do it. I fear not being perfect. That sort of story is inspirational to a lot of wannabe writers out there who feel they have a book in them but are living a totally different life at the moment. I'm watching these students who are given their absolute all, pursuing this creative profession, and they're not held back by fear. Taking a book the whole nine yards, from an idea in your head to words on a page, from a scribble on a napkin to a listing on Amazon, that's easier said than done. But it's also easier than you'd think. I'm your host, Casimir M. Stone, and this is Readsy's Best Seller, the podcast demystifying the process of self-publishing a book for aspiring novelists everywhere, one episode at a time. This is Season 2, Chapter 2, The New World. This season, we've made it a point to talk about words with multiple and often very different meanings. They're called policemes, but sometimes they're called metonyms, too. The word metonym is a hyponym of the word polyseme, a hypernym. In other words, all metonyms are polysemes, but not all polysemes are metonyms. Does your brain hurt yet? Greek words tend to have that effect on me too, so I'll try to help clear it up. Metonymy is when a word shares a literal meaning with a related figurative one, like how tongue means language, your native tongue, but only because it also means that weird muscular organ in our mouths that helps us taste, swallow, and yes, speak languages. Tongue is a polyseme, but it's also a metonym, because it makes the figurative literal. Like how edit today means to prepare something for publication, like, you know, a debut self-published paranormal cozy mystery novel or some other totally random thing not at all related to this podcast. In fact, in the late 18th century, when the word itself first came into the common lexicon, edit meant quite literally to publish. But its meaning hasn't always been so literal. It stems from the Latin word editus. And if there's one thing we know about those Latins, it's that they loved polysemes. Editus, at least in its participle form as opposed to its verb or adjective form, had about six different meanings. And one of them was actually the meaning that edit would eventually take on, published or spread abroad. But another meaning of editus was the figurative one that editing, at least in the world of self-publishing, has come to mean elevated. Editus, in other words, is something that has changed for the better. Every editor understands that the words are precious to you. Anything that they come back with is only meant to make it better. 
Of course, it's no great leap then to see how the word arrived at its current meaning. The difference between a manuscript before and after it is edited can often mean the difference between a draft and a book. Readers expect high quality stuff. Or, at the very least, the difference between a book that sells and a book that doesn't. When you have so many more people uh, producing books, how, how do you get found? Well, you put out the best product you possibly can. But writing isn't the only thing that can be elevated by going back over what you've already done with the intent of doing it better. To hear Jen Falls tell it, the way we think about editing has changed over the years, too. In the early days, by the way, uh, there was actually a trend not to pay for editing at all. Hugh Howie came out against using professional editors, and he said, with these e-readers now and with us not having a wall between us and the readers, the readers could act as our editors. The readers would interact with us and let us know when we have a mistake, and because we can upload a new file, isn't that great? Remember Hugh Howie from the prologue of the season? I said we'd get into more on him a little later. Well, it is a little later, and it's as good a time as any to introduce one of the major players in the self-publishing world, on the off chance you don't already know who he is. In 2012, the former bookstore clerk, roofing contractor, and yacht captain, yes you heard that right, took advantage of the newly minted Kindle Direct publishing service to release a novel called Wool. It went on to sell millions of copies, make Hugh millions of dollars, hit number one on Amazon, elicit glowing reviews from AAA authors such as Ernest Cline and Rick Riordan, and launch a career spanning five more series and dozen more books, novellas, and stories. Before Jen Falls, before Shaz Kong, even before E.L. James, Hugh Howey was one of the very first self-published bestsellers. But back when Jen first entered the budding indie scene, Hugh, like her, was just another writer trying to navigate the turbulent waters of the proverbial new world. Uh, again, I, like I said, there was that sense of adventure in the very beginning. And when you had um, books like Wool coming out, when you had an Andy Weir coming out with The Martian, where he put it up chapter by chapter on his website and then had to be talked into putting it up on Amazon and was doing so well, you know, having that direct access to the readers, that was very exciting. Which sometimes means striking gold. He was so big. He was a, he was a giant. He still is. And sometimes means strife, smallpox, and mutiny. He'll never remember this, but I actually had a heated discussion with Hugh Howey. And I kind of went toe-to-toe with him about whether or not you need a professional editing pass. And um, he was so nice about it, though, that he ended up uh, allowing me to do an interview on my blog, which is now defunct. But um, he and I just, it was in the forum, and we kind of went back and forth uh, a bunch of times uh, about how the readers should be getting the best product they possibly can from the get-go. And we shouldn't be expecting readers to be our editors because that's not their job. Um, In fact, reading is not supposed to be a job. It's supposed to be pleasurable. Hugh has since come out in avid support of investing in good editors and ensuring that authors provide readers with the best product possible. Um, It has now shifted. The difference is now, now, as most businesses do, they plateau and they change a little bit and the readers have changed with it. Readers do expect a certain level of professionalism, whether you're traditionally published or uh, as an indie author. 
which just goes to illustrate that in the early days of self-publishing, no one had any idea what they were doing. Not even Hugh Howey, and certainly not Jen Falls. I did manage to find a community, and it was a small group of us that got together, and we would meet every week on a Google Hangout, and we were all writing different things. So I got to see how things were moving and changing through them, but wasn't brave enough to do it myself. So I decided, well, I can still be involved if I edit. And um, I went into it with absolutely the wrong idea. So when I say I had an editing business, I'm not saying that I was good at it. That's the tricky thing about uncharted territories. They're adventure-filled, sure, but it's like way easier to get lost. Um, I was terrible at it, and not terrible in my my work, but I thought everybody wanted to learn why they were making the mistakes that they were. That teacher brain could not turn off. And so I would make these, in track changes on the side, I would make these long comments about, um, you're making this mistake over and over again. Here's why you don't want to do it. Here's a suggestion. I was not understanding that when people were writing and they were asking for an edit, they wanted you to make the correction, you know, correct it on the page and move on. (laughs) Nobody wanted to know why it was wrong. They didn't want to know where in the Chicago manual it says, don't do this. That, that's, that wasn't the important thing. I have to say, that made me a better writer in the long run because I was doing that for every single client. Um, but it made me a very poor editor and it made me a slower editor than most people wanted. I also realized that I was really, really good at helping with the big picture. And I, for years, and I mean, for at least a good two years, I was giving that away for free to my friends. If somebody needed help planning something, if somebody needed help reading a market, so they, they maybe they're going into a new uh, genre and they needed help figuring out what reader expectations were, I was doing that for free. I would I would help them go through and, and discuss. This is this is the tropes of that you know that kind of thing. If you're looking for this writer, this is the kind of thing this writer does. I have a love for literature, and I was just giving it away for free. <laughs> Jen discovered self-publishing at a time when the industry had a whole lot of potential and not a whole lot of role models. She was left to her own devices to do pretty much whatever she wanted and wound up doing something she didn't even want to do. With endless possibilities in front of her, she somehow wound up limiting herself. I think the turning point came when I when I refunded someone almost half of what they paid me because I felt so guilty for giving them more than they had asked for. If I mean, talk about not having any business sense <laughs> um, because they were upset that I had done, that they were going to have to go through all of my comments just to see where I was correcting them. And now that I'm a writer, I totally get what they were talking about. I don't want to have to, when I'm doing an edit, I don't want to have to read a paragraph of what I did wrong. I just want to see what, you know, what's the correction and let's move on. Um, But I knew the second that I was giving somebody money back for a job that I had done that I was like, I don't think I'm I'm made for this. Of course, in self-publishing, there's always a silver lining. And sure enough, this experience seems to have given Jen a new, perhaps even elevated perspective on writing and editing her own series. 
So I'm a little different. I will draft a lot in my head um, so that I tend not to start putting words in until I know what I know for sure what my plot is going to be, um, or at least where it's going. And so by the time I'm putting words down on my computer, it's going to be pretty close to what sticks. And I go back and I do a very set heavy self-editing and I cannot emphasize this enough. Reading out the words out loud is going to be the best tool you can have to catching the errors. And it definitely elevated her perspective on the importance of having a professional editor. When I first started doing editing and stuff, like with my romance stuff, we didn't have a service like Readsy, where you have vetted editors within the system, so you know that they are quality to begin with. Um, now we have lots of services that can that can recommend editors and, and for people to find them. So I now have um, a system where I have one content editor. She edits me chapter by chapter. So I do a heavy, heavy edit myself, and then I have one to two proofreaders that come back through to do a final proof. I will say part of my process is once in a while, I have an editor who is a heavy, heavy editor. <laughs> she is tough. Uh, she and I were friends back when I was trying to edit and um, she took a certificate course through a uh, university out in California and I can't think of what it is now, but she is tough. And every once in a while, I'll pay her the big bucks for her to go through three of my chapters. And she gives me a list of what I call my writing sins. And I highly recommend that people try to do this. You need to know your big mistakes that you make on a constant basis when you're writing. It's the only way you're going to become a better writer. So I have my list of things that I do consistently that need to be edited out. Um, for example, I use prepositional phrases too much. <laughs> you know, sometimes I have dangling modifiers. I have my list of, of sins. And I tune up about every year, every other year. I go back to her and say, okay, now here's my, here's where my writing is now. Let's go back through and, and find something else. Do you think that your your ability to hear like basically the most brutal things about your own creativity, uh, is that informed by having been on the other side of it as an editor before? Absolutely. My preciousness with my words stopped when I became an editor. The long and winding path Jen took to finally writing her own story almost reminded me of the first draft of a novel. It's amazing to be able to put anything you'd like down on a page, but it can also be a lot. It can be so daunting that you don't even know where to start. It goes back to playing piano when I was growing up. If it's not perfect, I don't want to do it. Or that you start in a totally wrong place. I will say, the push, you're asking what pushed me? The push was editing. Because it, I was not a freelance editor for very long before I realized I really didn't enjoy the job because I would rather be writing the words and not editing the words. Ironically, that's exactly why it can be helpful to make the figurative literal. It's easy to think of parameters as stifling to creativity. If you write to market instead of purely from your own imagination, your story won't be original. Or if you turn writing from a dream job into a career, it will lose the magic. These are concerns every writer has. But imperfection isn't the same as artistic integrity. Words that can be made better should be made better, whether they're your original words or not. I would 
never be mad at you. If you catch something or if you see an inconsistency or you have a suggestion, I want to hear it. Try not to be so precious with your words. It is your book, baby, and I completely understand. Every editor understands that the words are precious to you. All editors want to do is help you make the best writing you possibly can get. On the flip side, striving for perfection shouldn't scare you off because perfection doesn't exist. This is the biggest thing, and it's coming from a perfectionist who battles with this every day. Perfection does not exist. Demanding it of yourself will hinder you and become a huge hurdle. We're never going to be perfect, but we can always strive to be better. When Jen first entered the indie author scene, self-publishing was more or less figurative. Did it mean achieving perfection or originality? Did it mean you should be making millions without the constraints of traditional publishing or that you should be helping your friends for free? Truth is, no one knew for sure. And that unknowing led to some spectacular successes, like Hugh Howey. But it also led to some spectacular failures. It's that self-doubt that I allowed to kind of rule a lot of my decisions in the early days. Today, the definition is much more literal. Self-publishing means writing a first draft, sometimes with a market already in mind. It means finding a great editor within that market to turn that draft into a book. It means designing a cover, creating a brand, and monetizing that book. And it means finding a community of readers to fall in love with that book. In other words, it's not an adventure. It's a job. I don't want to say that the adventure is over. I don't want to be a naysayer. I want to say the adventure has changed. And it's now a challenge for writers in this day and age is how do you make this a job? It's a fun job, but it's still a job. And how, how, do, you, how do you navigate where we are now when you have so many more people uh, producing books? How, how do you get found? Well, you put out the best product you possibly can. The world of self-publishing has changed. That much is certain. But if you ask me, it hasn't just changed. It's elevated. First and foremost, as a writer, we're so solitary anyway, that having a community is the big ticket. Whether that's through something like Kboards, whether that's through finding a group on Facebook. Um, there, are for- there are so many forums out there now. Um, but it was having my personal friends taking me aside. I actually kind of got, um, taken aside and told either I needed to give up on my dream of writing and just go into being a book coach or a developmental editor full time and just be done Mm -hmm. or hold on to that and use it on myself and be selfish for once and use it on myself and see what happens. And that's actually what happened. That, that was at, um, Nink Conference 2017, and in January 2018, I launched my series. Brought to you by Readsy, this is Best Seller. Over the course of this season, we'll follow an indie author's journey from start to finish in five chapters, exploring each step it takes to turn a collection of ideas in your head into a published book. Next up is Season 2, Chapter 3, Having a Community. This episode was written, hosted, and produced by me, Casimir M. Stone. If you liked it, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. 
Our guest for this season is Jen Falls, aka Bella Falls, author of the Southern Charms Cozy Mysteries series. You can purchase her books on Amazon or on her website at bellafallsbooks.com. And you can follow her on Instagram or Twitter at Bella Falls Books. That's B-E-L-L-A-F-A-L-L-S-B-O-O-K-S. This podcast, like so many self-published books out there, is made possible by Readsy, a marketplace that connects indie authors with the tools that traditional publishing houses would usually provide, such as editors, book cover designers, and publicists. You can learn more about Readsy on Instagram at Readsy underscore HQ, on Twitter at Readsy HQ, or online at R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com.